Diane Nudson, the Alternative Board of Ventura County. So for the Alternative Board, what is that? Tell me a little bit more. The Alternative Board, well, if you think about the resource that a public company has in their board of directors in terms of expertise and diversity and accountability, what we do is we create a resource like that for independently owned companies on a local level by bringing together a diverse group of business owners across industry lines. And we come together in confidential groups that meet regularly once a month. And we work on each other's businesses as if we were a board of directors, thus the alternative board. Got it. And so I'm not like super familiar with that, the public side. So the first thing that came to mind was almost like a chamber of commerce. Is that kind of what this is? You know, the way the chamber is invested in the community and wants to help businesses be successful in that way, yes, we're similar, but we, we really handpick and curate our groups so that we've got a good mix of energy, a good mix of communication styles, as well as what I already said about the diversity of the businesses themselves. What we find is if we can bring together a group of people who are all entrepreneurs, but have a different way of thinking about things, we can expand the lens of creativity in solving problems and in attacking, going after opportunities. And so, you know, a marketing business owner is probably going to think differently than a civil engineer. And so yeah. when we can combine those ways of thinking, we can get an edge in our industry because we are, we're coming at things from a different angle. That's awesome. So it's actually kind of more like a mastermind. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So how did this come to be where this is your, your passion and what you started as a business? How long have you been doing this for? Well, we opened up the Ventura territory of the alternative board in 2018. And so I should back up and share that the alternative board is a worldwide organization. It's in 22 countries Wow. based in Denver, and it's been around for 30 years. Wow. But it has not been in Ventura County. And so it was it was a brand new startup, essentially, for us to open this territory and a new conversation. There's a wow. lot of networking groups and there's even some mastermind groups. But the idea of having a professionally facilitated and curated group right. that has continuity, that is kind of a new conversation. So we had our work cut out for us, but we've got four boards operating now. And I feel like we're doing a lot of good and our members are really happy with our process. That's awesome. And so did you find this, like, this is someone else's kind of structure that you took on as like a franchise almost? It is a franchise. franchise. And thank goodness we didn't have to dream it up from square one yes, because yes. we've got 30 years of history behind us and a proven process for facilitating our meetings, a proven process for reaching out to potential clients, a proven process. What we do between our meetings as a board is we meet one-on-one -on -one with each of the members in an executive coaching mm. And we have some really great online tools for strategic planning. And so we bring that to the table as well. And thank goodness we didn't have to rely on me and my partner, my husband, Mark, to create and develop and, you know, innovate that process because right. we wouldn't be able to do it all. And being part of the franchise allows us to offer so much more. Yeah. I love that. And so how did you and Mark get introduced to this? Like, how did you come across this to then now it's yours? Well, that's going to go back a ways Let's because we ran, we ran a media agency for 20 years prior to this. 
Wow. So this is kind of like a final chapter. And as we wound down that company and that company needed to be wound down, we had a niche presence that, you know, the advertising world changed and our yep. niche literally went to almost nothing and it, wow. and it did so over time. So we actually stayed in the fight for a long time during years when overhead for running a company was slashing right and left, right? You no longer had to have a phone system. You didn't have to have a fax machine. You didn't even have to have a physical office. Right. So we were, you know, at the front runner as far as working from home, all of our people work from home. And so we were able to stay in the game for a long time in an industry that was um, winding down. But when it came time to change direction, when you've run a business, it's hard to then go get a job. And not just because maybe you're not the right person to work for somebody, maybe you like that independence, but also your skill set is really well-rounded, right? right? So do you say, I'd like to be the marketing director? I want to be VP of operations when really what you're used to is having your fingers in everything to some degree. We actually were approached to purchase this franchise and awesome. franchise, you know, was, I guess it was kind of a dirty word for me. I'm used to people um, having some resentment for the arrangements that they have with their franchise, or at least that was kind of the impression that I'd had. And as we looked into this opportunity and we met the CEO and the director of marketing and director of training, and when we met the corporate individuals and experienced the culture, I just bought in more and more. And now that we've been in it for a couple of years now, going on three years, I can say that the support is fantastic. Like we have this team behind us that is so supportive and also really responsive. If we recognize that something should change, we have that voice and we see those changes happen. And so, you know, it's a very large organization and yet they make it feel like it's really intimate and so very responsive people and systems. So no, it's been great. That's awesome. And so did you and your husband, Mark, go into this together and make this decision, both you being co-owners, or was this something that you did or he did, and then you guys came together? We went into it together and it's good because really to run a business successfully, you either have to be able to wear a lot of hats well, or you need to know how to build yourself a team It covers all the bases. And Mark and I have really different communication styles, really different personality profiles. Right. And so together we make a really good team. I think he probably has a greater propensity for the one-on-one coaching that we do. So he does more of that. And I have a greater comfort level with the outreach and sales conversation. And so I do more of that than he does. And so I think we complement each other well. I love that. It's interesting, you know, because I think, you know, I'm trying to look in my life. I have a couple people in my life that are in relationship, marriage, or just in a partnership that are running business together. But I don't have a lot of that around me. But I, you know, I've heard that or maybe people have heard it where it's like, oh, careful, like don't go to go into business with friends and family or romantic partners. Do you feel like that was kind of an issue at all in any point of your working together with your husband or it kind of has it always been a smooth flow together? I'm smiling because it's so funny. People have told us this from the very beginning. We literally were partners as a beach volleyball team before we even dated. Oh, wow. And then when we started to date and ultimately got married, people would say, oh, you, sh- you should never try to play together. Don't compete together. Right. That's going to break you up. 
but we were really successful together. We right. were, we won tournaments together. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess we're a little bit unique in that way. And maybe because of our differences right. that we're able to be really good partners. But one of the reasons that the alternative board resonated so well for me, and one of the reasons why when I encounter a husband wife team running a company, I really, really want to have this conversation with them because it would have been meaningful for us when we were running the advertising agency to have another group of trusted advisors that we could take our issues and questions and concerns to yeah. rather than just our own echo chamber because yeah. we are in a romantic relationship we've been married for 26 years we have four kids oh. you know we have this whole other life yeah four kids okay, well, I'm gonna come back to that <laughs> but when you have that you want to be able to balance that and you want to be able to diffuse the tension of business challenges. Every business is going to have its challenges. We're going to hit bumps in the road. And so it's really great to have that expanded circle to turn to. Yeah. I wish we'd had that for the 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> for people that are listening here and that may be in somewhat of a similar situation or or envisioning that as a possible future where they're running their business with their partner. How do you keep that romance and the intimacy and the love alive while you're also in business doing the hustle and the bustle and the growing? How do you keep it intimate and love? I think it's important to set probably a time limit when you stop talking about work as you go into the day. And I'm the one who tends to break that, that rule. So my husband is the one reminding me, Hey, you know, we're just time out. <laughs> yeah. We're not working right now. But also I think it's super important to really recognize that even though we bring different skill sets, how much value the other's Mm. skills are. And so I tend to be really driven and really goal oriented, whereas my husband is more about the process. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm impatient with his pace, Yeah. <laughs> but, but he brings a patience and an attentiveness to our coaching relationships right. that is phenomenal. And so one of the things we do in the alternative board in tab is we do a disc assessment of all of our members and we've mm -hmm. done it for ourselves. Right. And so we look at the profiles that each person has and we look at the strengths that any given profile brings to a team. Wow. And so when we do that, it's actually helped Mark and I in our working relationship to recognize, okay, I realize that, that I'm really wound up on this and that you need me to be more measured in my pace, more calm in my conversation so that we can reach a solution together. And so we've kind of studied our communication styles yeah. and recognize what we can do to work better together, but also to appreciate each other and to express that appreciation. So saying thank you when you already think it's implied. Yeah. You know, go the extra mile for that, for sure. And, and saying so a lot of good jobs. Good job. You were awesome today. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah, this is so simple. We just need some, a little affirmation sometimes. And so for you, you know, going into it, you know, I'm, I'm looking in my own life, right? When I've been in a relationship and trying to grow my business and I've always, you know, I would go to the partner like, huh, like this is all this stuff and, ah, uh, right. So for you, when there are things that are occurring inside of your business relationship that are bringing some tension, some overwhelm, some stress, how do you stay in connection and communication to work those out in a way that honors what you guys are doing? How do, well, I feel like I've kind of touched on that in establishing a foundation of appreciation and gratitude 
Hmm. And we both recognize that we have a life outside of the business because right. we're living in it front and center. And maybe that's one of the advantages in a marriage relationship is if there's something happening in our family and one of us needs to devote more time to the business so that the other can deal with something with the family. It's yeah. like we both totally already are on board with that being a priority. And so, right. and so in some ways, maybe it's easier right. because we both understand the whole picture for each other. So well. Yeah, I love that. I want to just hop back into what you were saying earlier about four kids. So here you are, you're married, you have this business. There's a lot of members within the business that you're supporting, that you're responsible and accountable for. And then you have four children. So for you being a woman that is in the business world and also taking care of these four children, how has that been for you to be able to handle and manage both aspects of those life? Well, I was really fortunate. And when we were running the business, I said we ran it for 20 years. I was very back office for the first eight years, because mm. during those years, our kids were really young. Right. It wasn't until our youngest went into kindergarten that I took on more of a full-time role. Mm. And so the priority of family has always been there. Right. And my husband, it's funny because, because I was back office, because I didn't have to juggle so much when our kids were little, they didn't really watch me work. I did finances, I did payroll, I did things that could be done in off hours. And so they didn't really watch me work. They always knew they were my top priority. Right. And to the extent that my husband was working from home, he has always been able to just turn away from his computer screen and be very present for our kids right. when they have a win to tell him about or something, or they've got a match coming up. He even was really involved in coaching them in high school. We both were, but predominantly him because right. he, he actually coached at UCLA. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a really, uh, almost a renowned coach. He's got a lot of experience in that. But for me, as I transitioned into this role, which is very full-time and we did it as a startup. And so initially it was, you know, an all immersive sort of situation. Our kids were either in adulthood or approaching adulthood, but it was new for them to see me so immersed in work. And so I had to kind of take a lesson from my husband and recognize that I can work into the evening. I can spread my work out over a protracted period of time, but my priority still is to be present for the kids, even though they're adults, you know, they're not underfoot all the time, but when they call, it's because they really need the attention and they need it from us. And so being present for even our adult kids is important to us. I love that. And so you were saying, you know, as the kids, when they were younger, you were kind of in the back end of that. And then as they got older, then you kind of stepped more and more. Was that stepping into more aspects of the business because there was a desire for you personally? Like, I really want to be used up by something. I really want to use my skill set and be a part of this and grow. Or was there other reasons that pulled you into working more? I don't think I knew this about myself until we were about a year in. Mm. But I was an economics major in college. I went into banking. I was a vice president in my organization when I left work to raise our kids full time. Wow. And I never had any regrets about that decision. It was a fantastic decision. I was in banking for eight years. I built a nice career. I learned sales because we had to do a lot of outreach. I didn't love it, but I learned it. And so when it came time to jump back in, I guess I had forgotten that that was at one time really important to me, that having success in my career was at one time really important to me. And it woke that back up in me. 
And so that's why I'm saying it became a little bit of a struggle. And it was about the one year mark that I remembered. This isn't me dealing with what's happening right now. This is me like recapturing that drive for my career. And so I was putting more pressure on me and on our business than was necessary. We were doing fine, but I was like driven. Yes. Like I had 20 years of catch up to do in my career. It was, it was strange because I actually discovered this in a mock coaching session in one of our international meetings for all the tab business owners. We come together in Denver once a year and we do training together. And I was in a mock coaching session and he was asking me these questions and I found myself really emotional. And I realized, oh my gosh, this is not even about the here and now. This is me acknowledging that this part of my life was missing and I was happy to set it aside but it's more important to me than I realized, but still not as important as my kids. Right. And so I can make it a priority, but I can also take breaks and be completely present. My kids are not a full-time job anymore, but when they need something, they need it now. Yeah. Right. I got a three-year-old. She's all now, 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 now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know how you're doing this. (laughs) She's at school. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, this is interesting because I love this aspect. I I have the honor of being able to speak with so many different women in all different ages. Right. And there's something really cool that you're pointing at where you were in this working environment and then you stepped inside of motherhood and that was called and that was the poll and the priority where you wanted to spend your time and energy. So you did put that that to the side. And I hear a lot of that where that's the end chapter for most women around me currently. So it's cool to hear on your end how you did the motherhood and you are doing it, but then you're coming back into the rediscovering of the working life and how important that is to you. So for you, you know, you're talking about there's like a little bit of a hard transition, right? From going to work to motherhood to then coming back into this work environment. How have you supported yourself in making those transitions? Well, honestly, I think somebody who is maybe more self-aware wouldn't have taken a year to figure out what that internal struggle was about. (laughs) I'm a little dense, I guess, in terms of my self-awareness. But I think part of what worked for me and part of what drew me in in this second career chapter is the fact that we found something that was such a great fit for my education background and leveraged off of the eight years of experience I had in banking. And the reason I went into banking out of college was because I was fascinated with business generally. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a chance to work with all different kinds of business owners to learn about all these different industries. And so here we found ourselves in a position where I get to do that all over again, but I get to do it with the gray hair and wisdom from having lived through 20 years of running a business ourselves. And so the things that made me uncomfortable as a young banker, you know, in my little suit and trying to have these conversations with these gray haired business owners, now I can have the conversations with so much more background and so much more experience. And so it makes it a lot more enjoyable. And I feel like I'm able to be a lot more successful because of that whole backdrop. Yeah. So this is interesting. So you go to banking, you go into media, and then now you're coming into the alternative board here. So how does this layout of the board work? So they're coming in, they're doing like masterminds. Are they paying to be a part of this? It's a membership organization. And so all of our members pay a monthly fee and that encompasses 
the, the board arrangement. So it's a curated, facilitated group of individuals who they meet together on a regular basis, but we facilitate those meetings actively. We literally are cutting the time into slices dedicated to a process of discovery that is kind of, it's a tried and true process to get the most creative input out of the group. Hmm. And so that's probably the biggest and most unique piece. But then we also have the executive coaching that happens in between each board meeting. And then we have the tools, the planning tools that we use. And so those planning tools are available to a business owner to flesh out, you know, what's here and create something that's more tangible. And once it's tangible, it's much more delegatable. Right. And it's much more accountable because anybody who's seeing and participating in this plan is also reporting back as to their activity and success or lack of success within the plan. So that that plan is a living, breathing thing that is able to adapt to change changes and able to adapt to the strengths and weaknesses of the team that that's driving the plan. And so it's really three distinct pieces. It's the chance to collaborate with business owners. It's a chance to focus one-on-one on your own priorities. And some of those priorities are not even in business. Right. We consider right. ourselves to be a business owners organization. Everybody we work with are the strategic decision makers for their companies and the vision of the company needs to reflect the personal vision of, of the owner. Absolutely. But we also need to really understand the personal vision of that owner so that we can protect it and help them by being sort of a filter by which when they get these great new opportunities, sometimes things can lure us away from our vision. Yeah. And so we are kind of a, a mechanism to help bring them back to center with regards to what's most important and run any new opportunity through that filter. I love that. I have this really this pull for mindset healing and spiritual development, personal growth. And I love how you're, you're including inside of your business model that yes, we're business owners and we're here to grow our business and expand and fine tune and delegate. But I love the part that you're including in the personal because I've seen so many different things similar to this, not all the way, but similar to this, but they're the missing of the personal life. What's the personal vision? How does that co-create with the business? And I feel like that's kind of always been a missing in certain situations like this. They're creating this huge vision for a business, but they're not taking account for, well, what's your personal values and what do you need in your personal life? And how does that come together? So for you as someone that's leading everyone in this direction, how do you keep that vision cohesive? How do you keep the personal vision and the business vision? How do you keep that co-created together? Well, one of the very first things that we do in our coaching session, when we enter the business builders blueprint, which is the name of the online tool that we use. One of the very first exercises we do is to go through a personal vision Hmm. for the owner to find out how satisfied they are in areas in terms of health, community involvement, financial stability. I think there's like 12 things around the wheel and we establish where they are in terms of not compared to somebody else, but compared to their own level of satisfaction. Right. And so people are going to have a different idea of what a 10 looks like on a scale of one to 10 in any of these areas. Right. But we want to get a really candid view of where they land personally. And then they do the vision for their company. And once they've done the vision for the company, we may go back and revisit that once we establish what are their core values for their business. And so we don't even start building out a business plan until we've established personal vision, business vision, and core values. So when you've established core values that you're literally willing to hire and fire over, 
Right. You know, anybody that's going to come work for you needs to live those values within the business. Right. And even your clients, if they are not going to respect that value set, then maybe you don't, don't even choose to do business with some potential mm -hmm. clients. And so that's kind of how we merge the two is by using it as a foundation. I love that. That's interesting because I literally just had, and I can't even think of where it came from at this particular moment, but I was doing some coursework for my own, you know, development. And one of the things that I was reading was, and it was kind of extreme, like what I was reading, I was kind of like, what is going on? But they were making the point that, you know, when you have a vision, your only interactions and communication should be in alignment with that vision. And I mean, it was so cutthroat, like nothing. And why I thought that was interesting in correlation with what you're saying, you know, when I first started my marketing company four years ago, I would take anybody, whoever would pay me, I would take them. So I would just keep attracting all of these businesses where they weren't passionate about what they were doing. They weren't fully invested. They weren't lit up about their businesses. And it showed in our partnership working together. And I really think up until last year and pretty recent where, I started putting standards, like where's my boundaries? And so when you had said that about does the client match the morals, the vision, right? Is that the energy? I feel like business owners don't really consider that. They don't really put a lot of groundwork or framework on what kind of clients or customers that they want to attract or are willing to work with. Do you feel that that's true for most business owners that you tend to attract in your work? I think especially in the startup years, mm, yeah, especially because you, you're willing to just establish your reputation by doing the work for whoever is willing to work with you. Right. And then I think, I think most business owners become a little bit more selective um, over time. And, you know, that could be selective based on profitability, but it also can be based on the level of energy that you do or don't take from my team you know if my team is going to deal with just like a toxicity or an energy suck that's yeah. going to permeate the whole business right and so yeah I think it's important I think I probably see business owners make more intentional decisions about dropping the high maintenance toxic clients yeah but maybe less so in terms of being really intentional in the outreach like really identifying who is your ideal client yeah and put it out there. That's what you're looking for. And, you know, the law of attraction, you know, can come into play. But also I think if you have a really well-defined ideal client, then you can do your outreach with a much more targeted approach. And whether it be the law of attraction or just the practical approach of taking the right steps, right? that sometimes is missing. Mm. I think that we're so caught up in the day-to-day -day and putting out fires yeah. and dealing with like incoming, incoming, incoming that we don't, we don't generally put enough intention into what we're putting out there. Right. And so that's one of the things that we do through using the tools. Just the fact that a business owner is willing to take an hour a month, one-on-one yeah. -on -one, and step out of the business and apply some strategic thought and intention to what they're going to do over the next month, that can be a huge game changer for a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. And so for you, having these business owners come to you, from my understanding of what I'm getting, there's a lot of strategy and planning and working things out and the details. But I'm also hearing that, I and I want to touch on more, there's this aspect of coaching. What is that inside of this business model? Is it, you know, working with people's limiting beliefs and getting things out of the way so that they can take that next level? What is that coaching aspect? 
within this? That's a great question. And I think a lot of people confuse the role of consultant versus coach. Mm. A consultant may come in with a pre-prescribed idea of how things should look and just be driving to that. Mm. As a coach, we are always looking for alignment with the individual's values, like I said. And so we try to ask more questions than we give answers. Right. And it's interesting because somewhere between three and five questions in, this was the exercise we were doing when I got emotional in our training session is I kept getting asked, why? Why do you feel that way? Why does this happen? Mm. What is this about? And just asking and asking. And so I then had to take the deep dive and realize that my issues weren't these superficial things that I thought they were. The issue was down here and I could fix it down here. Yeah and become a lot more comfortable in my role, both as a mother and as a business owner and as a salesperson and whatever. So like just understanding that at the deeper level, that's where the real conflict lies. And so in our coaching sessions, we're trying to do that. We're trying to dig a little deeper to find out where those barriers might lie, where those conflicts might lie. But we also do it in our board meetings. And so we are training every member of the board to ask questions before giving solutions because when any of us are presented with a problem we're like we go straight to a solution right business owners just do that because we are expected to be able to solve problems right people come to us to solve problems yep but to ask a few rounds of questions can identify what we're never going to get to if we just go straight to a solution based on a superficial description of a problem. And so part of the process in all of our board meetings when an issue is presented is that there's at least 10 minutes of clarifying questions Mm -hmm. before we ever let anybody introduce a solution. And so then the solutions can sometimes look very different than they would have initially. I love that you're pointing to this and how valuable it is. And it's kind of funny. I wonder if I've said this before on the podcast, so I'm going to say it again, but Eat, Pray, Love. Have you read that book? I have just pieces of it. Pieces Not of the whole it. thing. Yeah. I, I literally just read it. I'm so late on the board, but I just read it. And there was a, mo- in the book, the woman sharing about how she's in this seminar, I mean, really large seminar and the guru comes out onto the stage and they must have been in LA. So the audience was like crazy, yelling, talking. And when the guru came in, he didn't say anything. He just went on stage. He sat down and he was completely silent. He didn't ask anybody to be quiet. He just sat there. And so the whole entire audience got quiet and just sat there in stillness and silence. So she was writing about that experience, but she was sharing, at first, I thought that he was bringing us into his stillness, when really he was inviting us into our own. Mm. And the reason I'm sharing that is because I love how you are describing the way in which you coach, because one of the things that she said with that was the truest healers, the truest gurus are the ones that they don't bring you into their knowledge, they allow you the space to find your own and like that's who you're showing up for me as like when I hear the way you're speaking about how you do your coaching there's of course the guidance and sharing the the knowledge but you're really giving people this space to find their own truth to find their own answers and that's powerful because if people don't know how to ask their own questions and not a lot of people are getting taught that they're just given the answer so I just wanted to highlight that piece and how magical that is oh I love that you call it magical (laughs) 
It's magical. Because we are trying to do this with the business owners we work with, and we're teaching them to do that with each other, but then also encouraging them to make that part of their culture. Yeah. So that they are then empowering their people to be their their best selves as well. Hmm. So if all we do is keep giving solutions to our people, we may be limiting their ability to grow in their own role. Right. And so it's funny because one of our members recently, um, she has a profile very similar to mine. I'm a problem solver by nature. My kids, if they want to go to somebody, if they want to go to a parent and just talk about their problem, just because they want a listening ear, they go to my husband. Right. Because for me, they can see me like clenching back my, I know what you should do. You should just do this. Probably. (laughs) I cannot wait to tell you. (laughs) And so we have another business owner. Her profile is very similar to mine and her commitment in our board meeting, because each business owner we work with, we like to ask them to make a commitment to either follow some of the advice that they were given in the group or follow their heart with regards to a solution that they came up with during the discussion, right? And her commitment was that she was going to ask at least one question before giving a solution in the workplace and at home for the next month. Like she was just going to test that out to see what happens if she gives people the opportunity to share a little bit more about the problem maybe they can come to the solution themselves. Mm. And did she have good results with it? (laughs) She's still working on it. Still working on it. Yeah, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing to do if you've got an established behavior pattern. So the awareness of it is the first thing. And then you can incrementally start chipping away at your habits. Absolutely. That's one of my biggest teachings is your power tools are awareness and choice. And I think that is why it's so powerful. And what you're saying is because you're giving people the opportunity to get aware. I'm in a spiritual conversation, personal development. So I'm always looking at like, am I being set up to think for myself or is someone just trying to give me an answer that fits them? Right. And so it's, this is a really cool conversation to have because you really are setting up these business owners to think for themselves in a way they've never thought before right because the pattern the way of being probably is solution 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 instead of the inquiry of let me go a little bit deeper let me find some roots here so we could weed this out well sometimes a business owner is treated kind of like a solution machine yeah right and they are operating in a silo they don't get to have hard conversations they never get to ask questions or bring problems to people Mm -hmm. they are on the receiving end and so I think you start to think of yourself as a machine and so literally sometimes in our meetings it's a real aha moment for the business owners to realize it's okay to have a problem like we come together in vulnerability yeah and confidentiality and we share and we try to fix and heal you know because sometimes there's really hard things that happen and especially in a small organization you've got really tight relationships sometimes sometimes even family relationships within the business and so the decision to deal with maybe a, a people problem you know a management issue can look really easy from the outside right but there's relationships involved that make those kinds of transitions and changes really painful yeah and so yeah it's it's a unique thing for somebody who's a solution machine mm. a problem solving machine to get to sit down and, and have a problem and have support yeah. and so that can be a real game changer for people well I mean I can tell you in all honesty like game changer for me right now 
now, right? Because, you know, I'm aware, I'm a very intelligent, aware person, but there's still things that I don't know that are blocking my view and and in my growth. And so literally when you were sharing that, I got full chills because it's like, oh, I really do feel like a problem solving machine. And then I like so quick, it happens. I'm like, all the times, like people are always asking, like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, I need a person to ask that. So how (laughs) valuable this community must be. I wanted to kind of dive into another direction here. So I'm talking to you and I'm getting this vibe, like connecting with you that you know what you're doing and you're a a woman with a lot of wisdom to share. And so you're very welcome. So, you know, I'm interested in how does that work because you own a franchise. So you're essentially taking like these belief systems, processes, ways of coaching from somebody else's perspective or experience, are you able to merge your wisdom, weaving your wisdom and your husband's wisdom into what your teaching is inside of this franchise? Absolutely. You know, maybe that's part of what makes this franchise a little bit unique Mm. that we are expected to honor some core values of the organization, but they're values that I absolutely embrace. And and I think that most good people would embrace these values, but we're given a ton of autonomy to run our business how we need to. Mm. And so, I mean, yes, yes, and yes. I feel like we get to have the autonomy, but I feel like the structure we've been given, it's so valuable to have a tried and true approach. I would not necessarily have come into the board meeting setting and run it the way we run it. Right. Because I would not have understood, you know, my my own instincts would have been wrong. And so I'm super grateful for the framework that we have, but it's interesting. I'm actually in a group that meets together once a month with other women owners of the alternative board around the world. So Australia and New Zealand and the UK, and then a smattering from around the US. And we talk about the things that we're doing to improve our board meetings and increase our engagement with our members. And everybody's doing something different. And then we get to share and have a chance to try out the other people's ideas. And so it's a great community. I love that. And are there things that I'm kind of curious if you want to share, but is there any Anything within the franchise process, procedures, beliefs, anything like that, where you're like, I don't really like that. So we're not going to teach that. Or is it like you love everything? No, there is. I mean, we're always told to have at least three, maybe five different methods of outreach at any given time. And one of those methods of outreach is to hold events. Mm. So to put out a broad invitation and then just curate something with whoever shows up. Right. And we we made a couple of attempts at that early on. But one of the things that I think is a little bit unique to Southern California is people's willingness to RSVP and then no show. Yes. And, and you know, when I measure this against other people's experience, I talked to a tab business owner in Australia and she cannot understand why I'm not running an event every month because that's how she gets all of her members. Right. She never picks up the phone to call people. She just sends out these invitations, people show up and some of them sign up to join a board. Right. And my experience with running those events is it's so nerve wracking because you literally don't know what you're going to have until it starts. And I'm perfectly happy to take a more direct approach. Right. 
to reach out to people one-on-one -on -one right. rather than go through that. So yeah, that is something we are encouraged to do. And I'm like, we've done, we'll do webinars, you yeah. know, and, and we'll, we'll make sure that a certain number of our members are going to be there so that we know whoever we're bringing in as a specialist right. to talk on a, on a specific topic will have an audience. Right. But then, then any, anybody else who joins in is like gravy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, true confession. Thank you. And thank you for being honest, you know, because here's on one hand, I totally relate to that. Right. I'm like, Oh, it's not just me. And that's what this whole podcast is about. You know, I have the Ventura County business women that I'm a founder for and we do events every single month and it will be like you know how many other people I'm like yeah maybe half maybe half of them will attend and that's usually what happens it's like pulling teeth to get people and I'm guilty of it I'm busy I got stuff to do so I'm a no-show most of the time too but when you were sharing about the other person that has a business on Australia I kind of had this like it's your immediate competition but not competition like you guys are going head to head but almost like this person is saying, you know, events is where I make all of my business or I get my business. And you're like, well, I can't make it happen for the life of me. Like when you get in connection with other franchise owners, do you have that experience at all where you're like, wow, like they're doing better than I am, or they're doing something that's working and I can't get it to work. Is there any of that kind of conversation that happens with inside of you? I got to say, no, our territories are protected. Mm -hmm. And so we literally do not compete with each other. And right. so the TAB community is all about support and idea sharing for all of us to be more successful. There are awards given every year for like hitting certain numbers, but we're just happy for the people who are hitting those numbers because for some people, they might be running a TAB franchise, but they also might have a consulting business. So right. they may actually have a consulting practice in addition to this. And so they're not going to hit the same numbers as somebody who's devoting 100% of their time. And so we're kind of apples and oranges, but absolutely the common theme is support. And when we're sharing ideas, nobody's trying to make anybody feel inferior and there's right. not a sense of competition it's more just you know I guess it's masterminding we're just trying to share and help each other I love that I'm a big fan of collaboration over competition there's so much abundance to go around I always get curious you know because even in mine you know I'm a human being and I have my automatic ways of thinking and Sometimes like even when I get into partnerships, like where it's collaborating, I'm like, wow, you're doing really good. Like, what am I doing wrong? You know? So I think it's just pointing out like the humanness that we have, but it's really awesome that you guys get to be in that co-creation space. Cause I feel like that's coming more and more for business owners where it's like, people are kind of putting away the, like, I have to be the one and I have to make sure that I get it done before someone else does. And people are starting to kind of come together like, oh, we could actually do a lot better if we both work on this or both support each other. Well, in this world where innovations are happening so rapid fire, mm. I kind of think if you don't have a group to collaborate with, you are slowing yourself down. Yeah, it's really to stay cutting edge. You know, we don't have competitors in any of our groups. So when I say diversity, it's not just for creative thinking, it's for protecting, protecting against that sort of competitive concern. We want everybody to be completely candid. And if there's a competitor or a vendor or a client in the room, that gets diminished, right? And so we are trying to avoid any kind of connections like that. And so honestly, I think that a business who is in one of our groups has a competitive advantage over somebody who isn't. And if all they're doing is being in an industry 
industry group, they are indeed getting really great feedback as to best practices within the industry, right. but that's not going to help them break out and yeah. be a front runner in the industry. They're going to get that opportunity by getting ideas with a wider lens, mm. right? Yeah. Collaboration is, is key, I think, to innovation. Absolutely. I've talked to your husband once before and that's how we all got connected. And I think he mentioned that you guys have a marketer in within the membership already. Oh, a marketing company? Yeah, we like do. a mar- we, we, Multiple. Yeah. Okay, got it. I think marketing people are natural collaborators. <laughs> right. You have this conversation with somebody like you and immediately you're like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. This sounds so wonderful. And so it's not a difficult conversation. I, I, I didn't have to bring you around. You were already there. How does that work? Like if I'm someone that wants to come in, but you already have someone in the same industry where we could be competitors, do I have to like wait until that person is complete so then I can come in? Or how does that process work? If we had somebody who wanted to come in and we literally didn't have an appropriate seat for them on a board, number one, I have been known to build a board around one person. <laughs> Early on, we had- your magic. <laughs> well, it's just a matter of being intentional, right? We knew what he needed. He was ready to be on a board, but it had to be in the afternoon. And worldwide, most of the boards meet in the morning. Right. And so we had boards that were established to meet in the morning. He said he just had to do it in the afternoon. And so- So I found people who were willing to work in the afternoon. And so if somebody came and they were really passionate about the process and really needed to have a place, we could build a new board around that individual. And at four boards, we're where we want to be, but we have room to grow if we need to. And so there's that. But then also what we can do is just start with a one-on-one coaching relationship and do the DISC analysis. So we start working on the communication skills, do the strategic planning. So we start building something out. And so by the time we can bring a member in, they already speak the same language as everybody else that's in the group. Right. And so it can work either of those ways. Got it. And is this an ongoing thing or it's like a start finish process where you're just rotating that process? Actually, the average membership time throughout the organization is over four and a half years. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Awesome. These relationships that form are really meaningful. And when you've shared the kinds of things that get shared in our groups, you create a bond. But we do have businesses who who sell their company or relocate. In fact, we had somebody relocate during the pandemic and they stayed in the group because we went to completely virtual meetings. And so it didn't matter that they were in Texas. We stayed together. But no, there there is some churn because people make big changes that take them out of our group. Um, And so thoughts open up, but it is probably a longer term relationship than you would envision. We only require a commitment of month to month. There are other groups like ours where you make like an annual commitment where you have to give three months notice to leave. Right. Ours is just month to month. And so the pressure is on us that our coaching sessions are fantastic, that we're doing the right things one-on-one with the business owners, as well as creating a really great environment for our board meetings, the right people to the table. So Pressure's on us always to deliver, but it's a pretty cool pressure because we're working with amazing people Hmm. who fire us up and they fire each other up. We've had business owners come in who were a little apathetic about their business, really weren't that well directed to the next step and they are energized. Yeah. and reinvested in their company. And it's really fun to see that. I love this so much. You know, I'm especially in, in my, you know, I have a lot of growing up to do and a lot of maturity in my experience of life. 
but I, I do know from, I've had the Ventura County business women. I think it's been two or three years. I'm really starting to get the value of community. And I was so like, wow, four years, because there is that emotional bond and having that, what gets created when there's the emotional bond and the connection and the supporting each other. I mean, you create so, so many different kinds of possibilities that you wouldn't have before without that connection. So from me looking at you and what you're creating inside of our community and how you're supporting these businesses so that they can really get deep fulfillment, right? Like I hear on one hand, you're committed to the business growth, but I think it's just actually a lot deeper than that. It's about the full fulfillment of the personal and the professional life and having that co-created. So thank you for who you are and who you're showing up for in the community. Well, thank you for doing what you're doing and giving giving the opportunity to have this conversation. Uh, you have a great skill for bringing out what needs to be said and by connecting with probably what's most important. I would not have expected you to have me revisiting my tears at a training session a year into this business, but yeah. there you did it. Authenticity is the way to go. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And for those that are listening, how can they stay connected to you? Well, our website is tabvc.com. So it's really short, the alternative board, T-A-B-V-C for Ventura County.com. So really easy. And then we're also really active. Both Mark and I are active on LinkedIn. And so rarely will two or three days go by where I'm not on that platform. And so if somebody was messaging me through that platform, I'm going to see it and I'm going to respond. 